Welcome to Podcast Seems to be the Hardest Word. Welcome to uh, Podcast Seems to be the Hardest Word, the first episode uh, of this podcast. And um, what it is, is it's one man, that's me, my view on uh, the studio albums of Elton John, and I'll review them in the chronological order that they were released in the UK. Um, And that's uh, not the deluxe versions uh, of the re-releases, when they were remixed and extra tracks were put on. Uh, We may get to other albums, we may get to live albums, we may get to compilations and so on, and collaborations later on, but for now it's just the studio releases. Um, And it's let me explain what I'm doing. It's not a forensic delve into uh, each Elton John song. It's not a um, it's not an educational thesis. It's just one fan's views on what, in my opinion, uh, and my opinion alone, uh, is good. What's great? What's outstanding? Uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, what's not so good. Uh, and obviously, people will disagree with what I hear, and and that with what I say, and that's the whole idea of it. I'd like to start a you know a discussion. People may want to go back and, and listen to these podcasts after they've listened to the album just to see if they disagree with me or agree with me. Um, so we'll see. Um, each episode's going to be structured in a very similar way. Um, we'll do emails first, uh, although obviously we haven't got any emails yet. Um, then I'll put the album into the context of the time. Um, we'll talk about the the album artwork and the cover and so on. Um, then we'll I will review each track in the order that they appear on the album. I'll do an overall view of whether I like the album or not, whether I think it works well as an album, whether I like it or I love it or otherwise. Uh, and then I'll have a look a look at any musical. Uh, I want to call them Eltonisms. Um, They're reoccurring themes or things that happen that we'll see lots of times in later albums. And finally, uh, I'm going to pick out my favourite lyric. Uh, Obviously, it's usually going to be a Bernie Taupin lyric, but not always as we get to some of the albums in in future years. So that's the plan of how each episode's going to go. Um, We haven't got any emails to do yet, which I would have done first, uh, but I really would like to encourage you to, to join in on the discussion of these albums, if you if you like. And if you want to email me, uh, then uh, email me at ejpodcast at yahoo.com. That's ejpodcast at yahoo.com. So 1969 and the UK release of Empty Sky, the very first Elton John studio album, uh, which actually wasn't released in the US until 1975. And of course, by 1975, Elton was at the height of his uh, international fame. Um, and so um, this album got a fairly low-key release in the UK only, and actually was released in stereo and in mono. It's the only Elton John album that's ever been released in mono, uh, and if you're a younger listener, uh, go and ask your mum or dad what mono was. 
um, because you probably won't know. Um, if you've got a mono recording of Empty Sky, then uh, you've got yourself a little rare collector's item uh, that may be worth a bob or two. Uh, sadly, mine's the stereo version, but what can you do? Um, and it was released in 1969. 1969 was a very fertile year for great albums. If you have a little think about what was released in 1969, the top albums in 1969 included, included Space Oddity, David Bowie, Tommy by The Who, In the Court of the Crimson King, of course, King Crimson classic album, Led Zeppelin 2, The Rolling Stones Let It Bleed, and The Beatles released Abbey Road. So, you know, you're up against some giants in the playground there. You're releasing your first work and you've got some absolute huge albums released that year. So it's no surprise, really, that it was a reasonably muted response to this album. Of course it was, and I think that that's what would have been expected. I've got my copy of Empty Sky in front of me um, and actually for a first album you know it's got a fairly impressive cover uh, on the front we have this picture of, of Elton playing the piano that has been made to look like a I guess a pencil drawing um, maybe it was a pencil drawing I'm no great art critic um, in a sort of purple colour. The purple colour is obviously followed on the back uh, and on the back of the album we have uh, I always found this amusing two reviews of the album uh, one by a guy named Tony Brandon and the other by a guy called Dave Simmons um, and of course they're great reviews really um, because that's what you put on the back of your album even though it, they must have been written before the album was released anyway um, that's a different matter and then we have the list of, of who uh, performs on the album which is quite interesting in a couple of ways uh, and we'll talk to a little bit uh, later and then at the bottom I think probably the most interesting part of the whole album cover is this um, handwritten note from Elton little two paragraph handwritten note and when I say handwritten, it really is handwritten because um, he obviously wrote it, uh, made some corrections to it, and they just it was just printed the way it was with the corrections. So he wrote, Bernie and I also like to thank, and forgot the word wood, and so put a little arrow in and the word wood, wood above it. Uh, and he also wrote, um, I'd also like um, to thank everyone at Ante for encouragement and good wishes. And I'm, I'm guessing, I think back... Um, that the BBC were always known as, as Auntie. So I'm um, presumably that reference on the back of the album is to thanks for encouragement and good wishes from the BBC. At least that's what I'm assuming. Maybe the most impressive part of this first release album, though, is, is you open it up, um, and I guess it's a little bit of a, a nod towards um, how important the lyrics that Bernie Taupin wrote were that the entire lyrics are printed 
in a double fold out um, in the middle of the album with, I have to say, two really, really funny pictures. I'm sorry, I just, I do find them a bit odd. Um, Elton John's got a, a, a John Lennon look about him. And burn it up. I, I, I wouldn't really like to hesitate a guess as to what his looks like. Um, he's got a very concerning moustache. Anyway, uh, there we have it with all the words. So that's the album cover. Uh, and I do like it. This, of course, is the UK album cover. Because when it was re-released in 1975, or sorry, when it was released in 1975 in the US, um, it was released with a, a rather... Um, prog rock sphinx on the front of it um this i think is much simpler you know here's elton playing the piano which is really introducing himself to everybody um so let's have a little look at the musicians now there's a list of musicians and, and the three that i've picked out um are are the interesting ones uh caleb quay and roger pope who play, um, well, Caleb Quay plays a lot of instruments, but uh, notably, I would say, uh, the electric guitar and the acoustic guitar. He's also down as playing conga drums, but um, certainly the electric and acoustic guitar and Roger Pope on drums and percussion um, certainly played a big part in the um, Rock of the Westies touring band and then the Blue Moves um, studio album that they contribute very heavily to. So he's to work with both of those later, but of course the really interesting one is at the bottom of the list of musicians where on one track we have the great Nigel Olsen who uh, you know, is to become a major, major player and uh, part. He's a drummer in the Elton John band uh, for many, many, many years and is still the drummer in the Elton John band. So uh, that's the cover. Um, and now we've talked about the context let's actually get on to the album itself um, and we start with the first track which is the title track uh, Empty Sky um, and I just there's a couple of really interesting things about the opening of this album first of all it starts with bongos. It starts with bongo drums on their own, which I think is a really interesting. The first thing, you've never heard of Elton John before. You're going to pick your record up, put it on your turntable, lift your needle on. The first thing you're going to hear is some bongos, followed by some discordant piano chords. And he's not going to be known in the future, is he, for discordant piano chords. And I think that, that the opening very first few seconds of Empty Skies says a lot about Elton not knowing quite where he's going to be as a musician as he moves on in his career um, but it does then settle itself down and it establishes itself in a rock idiom um, and, you know and it's catchy enough the chorus itself is catchy um, but it, it, I mean it's a very 1960s style um, there was quite a lot of, you know, and I have a bit of a thing about it. I heard a bit of jazz flute in there. I'm not a great fan of the jazz flute, um, and it was there. Plus, there's a bit of Hammond organ, so it's a very 60s style. Um, and the opening line of the whole thing is, 
I'm not a rat to be spat on, locked up in this place. Which is um, an interesting first line for a song. Um, in fact, although the song itself sounds very different, lyrically, the song isn't that much different to a much more popular song on the album, which, of course, is Skyline Pigeon. Uh, so one of the lyrics in Empty Sky is, if I could only, if I could only fly, I'd drift with them in endless space. Uh, it's not a million miles away from fly away, skyline, pigeon fly, to all the dreams you left so very far behind. So lyrically, there's a connection there between the two. Uh, then to emphasise the point that this is a 1960s serious album, um, we start actually, the first track is nearly nine minutes long. You know, we're not messing about with a four and a half minute, even a five minute. No, the first song is nearly nine minutes long. Uh, it's almost like saying, yes, but we are serious about this album and this is a serious song and this is how it's going to be. Um, and I have to say, it, the song itself is about four minutes too long, in my opinion, especially for an opening track. Um, it dies away to nothing and then comes back and, and it just goes on too long. And a little bit later when we talk about uh, Eltonisms, uh, one of the Eltonisms is sometimes songs go on for a while longer than maybe they should do. I'm just suggesting that that's the case. Okay, so um, that's Empty Sky, the opening track of the album. Then we go to Valhalla. One of the most interesting things about Valhalla is it's spelt wrongly. Um... And, and the reason I know it's spelt wrongly is that when they re-released the album, sorry, I'll say that again, when they released the album in the US, they corrected the spelling to the, you know, accepted spelling of Valhalla. So I just think it's a bit odd that nobody picked that up. However, um, Valhalla has a real ballady feel about it. You know, it's the first time you hear Elton sing in a ballad sort of way. It has got a wandering melody. Um, it's got really interesting words. You need to. You, it's clearly about Valhalla, um, and I do wonder why. I, I keep coming back to why it was spelled incorrectly because, obviously, Bernie, when he he was writing the words for this, must have read a little bit about Van ha Valhalla or learned a little bit about it. And you'd think, wouldn't you, that he'd learnt the spelling anyway? I need to leave that spelling aside. Um, I actually think that the lyrics, when you just look at the lyrics as a, as a piece of writing, they'd have made a great heavy metal song um, in, the, in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. Um, chorus. We get to the chorus and we have our first appearance of the harpsichord. Now I'm going to say a little bit more about the harpsichord later. So uh, I'll just say it's there for now. Um <laughs> And uh, I'll leave my thoughts about harpsichords on this sort of music till later. Actually, listening to the chorus made me think a little bit about um, an early Rolling Stones sort of feel about the, the music. Um, I have to say, I haven't listened to uh, Empty Sky for a number of years. Uh, and when I re-listened to it... I realised I couldn't remember this song at all. Which probably says a little bit about how uh, how memorable I find it. 
So there you go. So that's um, Valhalla. The third song on the album is Western Ford Gateway. Um, and actually, the opening line uh, of the song reminded me a little bit of um, the opening line of Freebird by Leonard Skinner for some reason. I don't know. You probably need to go and listen to the two see if I'm talking complete rubbish. Um, now, this song's interesting because despite having Skyline Pigeon on the album, you know, the most popular song, I would say, um, whenever I thought of Empty Sky, this chorus of this song is the song I always have in my mind. Um, it's just a, a great melody. Um, you know, it's a great chord progression. You just know it works. Um, and you know you like a chorus uh, when you get halfway through a verse and you think, yeah, yeah, the chorus is coming up next. Uh, and I just think it's a great song. It's, it's easy to sing along the chorus. Good song. Certainly the best song, I think, so far on the album. Um, and we follow this by the final uh, track on side one. And again, if you're a younger listener and you're not sure what I mean by side one, go and ask your mum and dad. This is um, Hymn 2000. Uh, you know, look, what is it with the jazz flute? Let it go. <laughs> I just don't like the jazz flute. I'm not sure... Um, I'm not sure what to say uh, about him 2000. I mean, despite it being called him 2000, it's so 1969. It's unbelievable. You know, I can imagine Elton getting the lyrics for, say, your song and thinking, yeah, I know exactly what to do with this song. When he got these lyrics, I mean, I have no idea what must have what he must have made of them. They're just... I mean, the lyrics read to me more like a poem... Uh, than the song words. It struck me that Bernie was trying to emulate some of the Beatles lyrics. Mm, I'm, you know, I'm just not sure. The melody's confused, as is the harmonic progression, until the end of the chorus. I mean, you can definitely hear the Lennon and McCartney influences. Side two opens up with Lady What's Tomorrow, notable because the drums are played by Nigel Olsen, or should I say, the great Nigel Olsen. Um, he's to play such a big part in Elton's music and career for so many years. Uh, and this is his first appearance. The song itself, well, it's got a fairly forgettable verse. Uh, but when we get to the chorus, you know, we start to see the fact that Elton John can pull off a memorable chorus whenever he feels like it. Uh, brilliant. You know, it's also notable that at the start of the chorus, we have... A descending chordal pattern. I'm going to talk about this descending chordal pattern later on, because um, that descending chord and chordal pattern, which is a it's a killer pattern, it's brilliant, um, and it's very simple. You know, it's a feature in a lot of his best known works. Um, so I just love the chorus of that song. Great chorus. Um, then we move on to Sales, which is a rock song. Uh, there's some nice guitar work here. Uh, the song tells a story. But, you know, if I said earlier that maybe Elton was uh, honing his skills, unsure of, of where he was going, the same is probably true for, for Bernie Taupin. Um, because, personally, I find it difficult to get emotionally invested in a song that includes the line, then the gulls that ate the crumbs of Lucy's sandwich. 
that's just a personal choice uh not much more to say about sales really um other than that uh, it did make me smile then we have the scaffold um when i listened to it what struck me was that um it's a song where elton struggled to fit the words in with the music uh and who can blame him you know again um this is a song that's got a much better chorus than a verse uh the chorus uh has a sung harmony line above the the, the melody of the chorus which makes it much more interesting I, I, listening to it i'm pretty sure it's elton singing the, the harmony line as well um just you know difficult words to get on with and, and there's not too much more to say about that song and so we come to Skyline Pigeon. Um, I, I, what is it with the harpsichord? Right, okay. I have a few things to say about harpsichords. I have nothing against harpsichord. If you are listening to a harpsichord sonata by Scarlatti, or you're listening to a Baroque orchestra with the uh, harpsichord in the background, not a problem. It, on a rock album, a pop album, no, it, it just doesn't work. And I think the fact that this is the only album where the harpsichord plays a major role in any way um, tells you a little bit about what Elton probably thought when he thought about it afterwards. He probably thought, maybe not. Um, so, uh, it says something, uh, you know, it does say something about quite not him knowing at this point where he was going as an artist though maybe he thought using a harpsichord would be seen as being um i don't know more serious or i'm not sure anyway um having said all that this is the standout song of this collection um even though and i have to say there are countless versions of skyline pigeon all of which have elton playing the piano on that are better than this version if I'm being honest, but even so, uh, it's the standout um, song on it. Um, even on this version, however, even on the harpsichord version, right at the start of it, we see that descending chordal figure again that I talked about earlier. Um, that that's just a it just works every time. Um, so I'm just going to a little demonstration here of what I'm talking about something like at the opening of Skyline Pigeon is the same chord progression as this of course is the opening of goodbye yellow brick road and there's lots of other um similar examples that i could have used and let me be clear this isn't a criticism at all because it's a brilliant chord structure it's an absolute killer so simple yet it's brilliant every time i hear it i think yeah now we're talking now oh we've got a song here so i absolutely love it the lyrics of this you know i'm sorry if I criticise Bernie's lyrics in some of these other songs as they were honing their skills, but 
he he found his straps with this one. They're just magnificent lyrics about someone wanting to be released from uh, a difficult marriage. Great melody, absolute killer chorus. Um, and funnily enough, uh, there's a little bit in this chorus that he sings differently than he does on and just about every other version I've ever heard, I've ever heard. And again, just a quick demonstration. So, and excuse the singing. So in this he sings, fly away, skyline pigeon flight, as opposed to fly away, skyline pigeon flight, which is what he does on most other versions, piano versions. Actually, I prefer this one. It's just a more soaring melody and, and, and shows the fly away idea much better. I just think it's brilliant. Um, it, you know, it's not surprising that Elton said that this was um, just about the first song that they got really excited about. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, and although there are other elements on other songs on the album that show what a force they're going to be, um, it's really this song that you listen to and think, you, you know, everything's there. with it. And that's despite the harpsichord, you know? Uh, so, love the song, really do. The final song on the album... Uh, has got three titles Gulliver Hey Chewed and Reprise um, so here's a song about a dead dog literally um, actually funnily enough the song reminds me a little bit of what's going to come on Tumbleweed Connection um, even though it, it's not necessarily in my head set in, in the States, you know, when he's talking about buried in front of the barn and stuff. It's just that sort of feel about it. Uh, it's a simple enough song that builds up and then suddenly we have this bizarre change and suddenly we get jazz, um, complete with saxophone. And I have to say some great piano playing on it. Um, this part, I presume, is Hey Chewed. Um there's a lot um, of, of in-your-face electric guitar in it. And then maybe the most bizarre element of all is that we suddenly go into reprise. And it, to be honest with you, it's that long since I've heard the album that I'd forgotten what reprise was. I thought, what's he reprising? What's re which songs are you reprising? Well, the short answer is all of them. Uh, it's the only time... I've ever heard this done where he reprises every single song on the album a bit. Um, it's sort of like, uh, I know you've heard it, but just in case you've forgotten what you've heard, here are the best bits, just to remind you. A little bit like, uh, if you remember, those of you who are old enough to remember, um, these TV talent shows where you got played a little clip of each artist to remind you of who to vote for it was a little bit like that uh, and with that the album's done so the question is did i like the album does it work as an album and the answer is a very unsatisfying yes and no I'd start off by saying it's not his worst album and at some point maybe if I get through all his albums I'll get to a point where I do rank his albums uh, in terms of how much I like them so again 
this is my opinion, remember. So in my opinion, this is not his worst album. You know, it's an album that's got Skyline Pigeon on, so it can't be that bad. Um, having not listened to the album for a long time, and by a long time I'm talking about years, I actually quite enjoyed listening to it. I wouldn't necessarily want to go back and listen to it all again. And I certainly wouldn't recommend it to somebody who, who said, oh, you know, I'm looking out, I'm, I'm interested in Elton John. Um, I've only heard a few songs, what should I go to? Well, I wouldn't say go and listen to Empty Sky um, because uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't really give you the right impression of what he was going to turn into. What I actually think is, I think it's a really interesting historical album and of its time. Uh, so, Eltonisms, little musical devices. So we've already talked about... Um, both of them really but uh, just to be clear what they are uh, the first one is uh, <laughs> endings that go on a bit too long so um this th this will happen on a couple of albums it happened with the the empty sky opening track um but you know it'll happen on a couple of songs take the top of my head bite your lip get up and dance off blue moves or to be fair, even Rocket Man, um, just endings that go on a little bit too long, uh, which is a slight criticism. I'm sorry. My other Eltonism is the descending chordal pattern that we talked about. That definitely isn't a criticism. That's an absolute total plus. Every time that appears, I'm a sucker for that one. So there are the Eltonisms, uh, and finally uh, the lyrics. One of my favourite lyrics in it, so each each podcast I'm going to try and pick out my favourite lyric. And really, I suppose I should have gone with something from Skyline Pigeon, because there's lots and lots and lots of lyrics in Skyline Pigeon that are outstanding. Lots of lines. But actually, I haven't done that. I've decided to go for the first ever line that Elton John sings on vinyl in history, which is... I'm not a rat to be spat on, locked up in this place, which is quite an introductory statement. And so that's it. Uh, that's the end of today's look back at the 1969 released Empty, Empty Sky opening Elton John album. Uh, next time I'll be looking at the 1970 release Elton John. Um, which I'm really looking forward to, I really am. Uh, that should be up, uh, available in about two weeks, when I've got all my other stuff done. Thank you so much for listening, if you've listened. If you've stuck it to the end, uh, even more of a thank you. Uh, if you have any comment to make, please email me at ejpodcast at yahoo.com take care look after yourselves in these strange times and let's all wake up in the morning to the smell of new mown hay <laughs>